Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and my guest today is Jennifer Cobb. She is the founder and board president to Team Gateway to a Cure and she is also a former St. Louis Rams cheerleader. It was fantastic getting to talk to Jennifer on what her cause is and how she is helping those caregivers to those who are helping people with Parkinson's. So it was so much fun to get to learn about her and who she is and how she's done what she's done. So please enjoy this episode with Jennifer Cobb. Today, my special guest is Jennifer Cobb, founder and board president to Team Getaway Gateway to a Cure and former St. Louis Rams cheerleader. Jennifer, thanks for hanging out with me today. Yeah, and thanks for having me. Glad to be no here. Problem. It's a beautiful scenic background you got there. Most people are just in their basements, but you're out there in front of the lake, it looks like. Absolutely incredible. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm actually uh, camping. Very I've nice. Decided to uh, get away from the children and just have some time to uh, myself and yeah, I call it recalibrating. <laughs> yes, Putting everything back in this place. I love that. And well, thank you so much for giving me some of your time. I do appreciate it. Yeah. So much we don't get more of, so uh, I thank you for a little bit of yours. And the first question I have for you, Jennifer, as I do for everybody on the, for the love of sports podcast is why do you love sports so much? Gosh, you know, growing up, I was always uh, kind of a tomboy. I have two older brothers, just really always have been very competitive and just love the challenge, uh, the personal motivation that comes from sports. So it's always been really intriguing. And um, I honestly have been asked many times, like, what is your favorite sport? I just like all sports. I actually just started learning how to play pickleball. Are you familiar with it? I am. We played it in gym in high school all the time. It's the best. Oh my God. It is the most, it's the biggest, fastest growing sport right now. And if you ever get a chance to go online and YouTube the pickleball championships, it's hysterical. It's so funny. So yeah. um, And it's fun because um, tennis is a little bit more skill involved. And if you don't have a lot of skill polished technique from tennis, pickleball is another option not that pickleball is easy it can be really competitive and it can give you a great workout but it's a little easier especially when you're um not as advanced player what where uh, tennis would be a little bit more challenging i completely agree it's it's easier to pick up i guess is a good way to say you can kind of just pick up and go it's hit the ball back over the net it's nothing too crazy uh, but it is so much fun that's i haven't thought about or heard pickleball in a very long time. So thank you for bringing that up. I think that that is absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I mean, you, you were a, a cheerleader in the NFL for a little while, but you actually first started as a dietitian. it looks like in St. Louis. I mean, you've done so much stuff in your career, I guess, where, where does fitness and, and health and nutrition and diet come into play, I guess, at that, that far in the Yeah. Journey? So going, growing up, I was, um, I trained as a gymnast, um, 
not technically through a gym. I actually was self-taught uh, growing up. My was raised in a blue collar in um, household and my parents didn't really have a lot of financial means to give me those uh, special one-on-one um, coaching Mm-hmm. that would take for me to be at that elite level. So I had no other option but to teach myself. So I spent many, many days during the summer, nice days out in my front yard. And I was uh, fortunate enough to have my ba- my neighbor who volunteered her time at a gymnastics gym. So she was able to spot me and teach me certain skills. With that led me into um, junior high cheerleading, high school cheerleading, gymnastics, and then went to Carbondale, uh, Southern Illinois University at Carbondale, majored in uh, dietetics, food nutrition, college of agriculture, and um, tried out, made the team football and basketball, cheered all four years. And then after graduation, I moved to St. Louis and started working for Children's Hospital as a dietitian. And uh, one day I was driving and I heard um, that the Rams were moving. Mrs. Frontieri was moving them from L.A. to St. Louis and they were holding um, open auditions. So I thought, "Mm, you know, I'm not a trained dancer, but I'll give it a a shot. And um, I brushed up on my dance skills uh, in a short amount of time and... uh, there's lots of girls that showed up for 40 spots. Mm-hmm. And um, after a number of cuts along the way, I was chose as one of the top 40. That is so cool. I mean, you know, you yeah. it's, it's such a pre- prestigious position, no matter where you're sitting. I mean, just NFL cheerleader, I feel like it's just such a, it's just a cool thing too, right? Like I watch so much football and you see, you know, people on the sidelines, you're always smiling, even when it's a 40 point blowout. So kudos to you girls for doing that. But yeah. I mean, what was it, what was it like, especially back? This is what the mid nineties, if I'm not mistaken, when the Rams came to St. Yeah, Louis, I mean, what was it like back then? Yeah, so 96, Mrs. Frontieri brought him from L.A. to St. Louis. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but you'll learn more about Mrs. Frontieri's life in her uh, documentary movie that's in post-production that'll be soon to be released. But she was actually a Las Vegas dancer, showgirl. So she was technically trained. Mm -hmm. um, And the word cheerleader, from a professional standpoint, there's a lot of difference between college and professional NFL. We don't wear ponytails and we don't do toe touches and we don't get thrown up in the air and do stunts as you see on the college sidelines. And so we're there as a brand and as an ambassador to the NFL um, to um, collaborate the excitement with the audience and bring and engage them more into what's going on on the field. But off the field, there's a number of uh, requirements that we're that we have to live up to. In our contract, we have so many hours of charity and public appearances that we are um, uh, accountable for—not just us as cheerleaders, but also the players. And so, with that being said, the whole roundabout person that is going to represent the NFL as an ambassador 
has to be looked at to that perspective. You can't just be a great dancer and not know how to hold a conversation with the CEO of a company who's a sweet holder that spends thousands and thousands of dollars, um, you know, providing and mm-hmm. supporting the team. Uh, you also have to know how to speak to the public when you have people coming up to you and asking you questions. You need to know how to, um, you know, hold yourself up to a standard to that level. So with that being said, um, that's kind of what they do. They look at their certain qualifications and it's not just the cheerleaders, the players also, you can walk on the field and have all the skill in the world, but be a jerk, not be able to be, um, to get along your character doesn't get along with the other fellows on the team. You just bring everybody down. You're negative. I mean, that's not the whole package. And as you watch documentaries and you unfold other players' uh, stories, it's very obvious that that coaches and scouts absolutely look at those factors because when you walk off the field and you hang up your pom-poms or you hang up your football, your helmet, and you're retired, you're still going to continue to walk as a brand ambassador for the NFL. In fact, even today when I see uh, a lot of the, the family, we call it the NFL family, the Ramley with the Rams, um, we, we all get, you know, we all get it. We were, were coached and trained and groomed to this certain standard that from the very minute you sign that contract, um, it, it just never leaves you. So, um, I got to give it, even though I haven't, I did not bank a lot of cash from the NFL because you don't really do it for that reason. Uh, over the years, I banked a lot of network and a lot of friendships and a lot of um, connections that actually led me to the uh, level of success that Team Gateway to a Cure is today because of that. That is Awesome. And, uh, you know, I love the insight and the background a little bit on that. And I, 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 you know, we all hear the stories of how, you know, unfortunately little money that NFL cheerleaders do make. And, and obviously it sounds like it was the case, but you were able to take advantage of the situation, even in, you know, not being able to make, as you said, bank as much cash, you were able to take away relationships, which I'm sure far exceed and outweigh whatever amount of money they could have paid you. Maybe not all of the amount of money, but most amount of money that they could have paid you and and clearly you took advantage of that yeah and a lot of times you hear of the players starting their own foundations you very rarely hear of a cheerleader and so I'm one of very few but I've used the platform that the NFL has given me to allow my voice to cheer on other caregivers that are out there um, who are behind the scenes that are taking care of their loved ones And that's really our mission for Team Gateway to a Cure is focusing on caregiver support. That is awesome. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. And what what that looks like. And so through my platform and the things that I say and do, um, excuse me, sorry. um, I hope that it will resonate with others that are going through a very difficult time um, as a caregiver. Because I am one. I'm an adult child loving my dad going through Parkinson's. And, um, you know, I hit a wall, I get frustrated, I have anxiety, and uh, I get sad and depressed, and where do I go for my support? 
And so now the insurance companies are looking at us as the second patient. And so in the hospitals are putting in support groups and uh, there are support groups popping up all over the place. In fact, right now we are a support group through your platform of podcasting. I'm allowing myself to talk about my story to give hope and comfort back to others that are going through the same thing. Yeah, I think it's incredible. Um, you know, when when Fago reached out to me, I just thought it was such a cool thing that you you're doing, and you know, the story obviously again being a cheerleader of the Ramily, as you uh, adorably put it, um, and yeah. really again just taking advantage of that situation and what you went through and and how you did it to now. You're right. You hear about all the NFL players and the professional players that start a charity, but you rarely ever hear about a cheerleader. So we appreciate you and what you're doing and how you're doing Thank it. Thank you. What is it like starting up, you know, a charity like this? I mean, this, you know, again, I have written down here, you're working with and have worked with the Muhammad Ali Parkinson's foundation, as well as the Michael J. Fox foundation. You don't get to that level by mistake. You don't get to that level immediately. So what was it like those well, first little bit of time and really, you know, where'd you come up with the idea for this and how did you then implement and execute on that idea? Sure. So uh, going back a few years ago, I had raised quite a bit of money for the Michael J. Fox Foundation through 5K runs. And um, the run was called Soul to Soul, S-O-U-L-T-O-S-O-L-E, because my father has such a sweet soul and Parkinson affects your step, your gait. So uh, through those uh, 5Ks, um, I donated all the money back to the Michael J. Fox Foundation. And through my efforts, he has um, recognized that by honoring me through uh, the VIP awards in New York City for my efforts. And so one of the ideas I said to Michael is I wanted to bring more of the fun back in the fundraising. Um, so they gave me the name Team Gateway to a Cure. And I designed the logo, came up with the board of directors, um, started the 501c3. And then three years ago, uh, announced that to the, uh, the city of St. Louis and had a unveiling uh, release party announcing my board and um, really just started that. Um, and then through the next few years, I had hosted many different fundraising events, a laugh off to a cure. The Cardinals did strike out Parkinson's and, um, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And Michael raises millions in, of dollars for, for research, which is great. But until we get a cure for Parkinson's, there's always a side, the other side to the disease that really people don't talk about. And that's the caregiver. Uh, you don't hear of a 5K for a caregiver. You don't hear of a fancy dinner auction for a caregiver. You don't really hear of anybody recognizing the caregiver on the flip side, on the other side, that are behind those four walls at home that are silently making sure that they get their food, making sure they get their medicine, driving them to and from their appointments to the doctor, making sure they're tucked in every night at bed, kissing their forehead and, and getting them through another day of life until we have a cure the caregiver is the one that is on a race for another day. So that led me to collaborate with Muhammad Ali. 
and his widow, Lonnie, who I had an honor of not only meeting, but collaborating together and developing such a, a wonderful friendship. Uh, she had given me a tour of the Muhammad Ali Parkinson Center out in Arizona. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but the champ's legacy before he passed away of Parkinson's was to focus not on the efforts and the funds for research, but the caregivers. And so when you walk through the scientific research center of the Muhammad Ali Parkinson Center, it coaches and trains the caregivers. So they bring the caregivers into the facility and it looks like the inside of a home. You have a bathroom, you have a kitchen, you have a family room, you have a bed, everything. And it trains them on how to navigate and care for their loved one, whatever the brain disease is, MS, aneurysm, strokes, ALS, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. Because at home, which is most of the time people want to be versus at a nursing home, they want to be with their loved ones. They need to be coached and, and, and understand how to give comfort and hope back to the one that is going through that debilitative disease. So it's pretty fascinating to see how incredibly um, amazing that the champ's legacy was focused not just on money, but the legacy of the caregiver and what that looks like. And so collaborating the two efforts and marriaging them two together until we do have a cure, we still have to give hope and comfort back. And so the caregiver needs to be recognized. That's amazing. And uh, it, it, you make a lot of good points. And it sounds like you've been able to do so much. You know, you said uh, in the last three years, three years and change is, um, you know, as long as Team Gateway to a Cure has been around, but it seems like you've been doing a lot of this for a very long time. And obviously, it hits close to home. As you said, you are a caregiver to your father. So, you know, having, you know, that aspect of it and, and your background, how have you been able to take advantage of those relationships that you've made when you were a cheerleader, when you were within the, the NFL family now and over the last few years to really raise awareness for the caregivers even more? Yeah, so every one of us have a story. You're a caregiver and you probably don't even recognize what kind. You know, whether you're a grandparent caring for your grandkids, whether you're in a single parent caring for your children, or you're a parent caring for a child with disability, or your sibling caring for younger siblings, there's a caregiver in every single one of us. And I think through trauma bonding, through the stories that we all share together, and the trauma that we all go through, there's a lot of storytelling that we can do together to help get us through each day that we struggle with. For instance, through social media, when you post a post on your page and you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? You look at the comments. What are the comments? The comments are stories, stories from other people recognizing and collaborating with you because there's a commonality together and there's a lot of healing that goes along with sharing each other's stories. 
it's not passing judgment. It's, it's, it's bonding together. You know, when my father finishes his workout at the YMCA, he's done with the shower, grabs a cup of coffee. Where does he, where does the first thing he goes to? He heads over to that round table with all the fellows, grabs a donut, maybe sits down and what do they do? They do talk, they talk and they share stories. And sometimes those stories my dad listens to his his buddies more than he does the doctors and what they doctors tell him in the office and why do you think that is because we're all in the same playing field we all get each other we're all going through the exact same thing especially right now that's the first thing you brought up how you doing how you getting through this quarantine wow another day we're getting through it together uh, you know, if you, if you look at um, the Latin root word of quarantine, it's 40, and 40 means change. We're in quarantine now for about 40 days. Yeah. So change going on, whether you are a Trump fan or not, the reality of it is it has allowed all of us to slow down, reevaluate our life and what we're going through, and renegotiate our environment and the changes that we're up against. In fact, what better time when you are with someone who is older, it allows you to slow down because older people think slow, they react slow, they do slow. And it gives you opportunity to really slow down and evaluate and maybe change. I like that. That was, I, I like connecting those dots, Jennifer. That was fantastic. I did not know that was the root word or the root to quarantine, but yeah, it has been about 40 ish days at this point. It's been, um, it's been a struggle, but as you said, it's everybody's going through that. And you were saying, you know, how your father, when he sits down at the table and he talks and hears those stories from the other gentlemen, the ladies and gentlemen that, you know, he hangs out with, that's why I do this show. I learn through stories. I want to hear other people's experiences and how they've been through things and why they go through what they go through and how they got out of it um, or into it for that matter. And, you know, it's, it's just always very interesting. I grew up in Italian household. So, you know, my grandparents, everything was story-based. You know, the story yeah. changes every time. Somehow, grandpa always adds new details or takes old ones away. <laughs> and it's, okay, grandpa, last time it was this, but, you know, we'll roll with this sure. this time. Go for it. Uh, exactly. Right? And so, you know, yeah. that's how I grew up. And that's why I've always liked listening to others talk and just getting to have these types of conversations. So, again, I really, uh, really appreciate your time today, Jennifer. I think it's fantastic. And I love what you're doing. You know, again, utilizing Thank that you. background, utilizing your relationships, your network, the connections that you were able to build on a platform many people don't get to, you know, being an NFL cheerleader is very prestigious. Not every team has cheerleaders. Uh, I don't know nope. off the top of my head. I mean, I don't know how many do, but it's, I feel like less than half the league, if any, um, if it's even 26, 27. Yeah. Green Bay doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Green Bay doesn't. Uh, Chicago got, a, did away with the honey bears. I mean, there's a few, there's many uh, teams that don't do not, but, um, you know, we are all given opportunities in life mm -hmm. and, and these doors that are opening and closing. Um, you, you, do you really not know what to do? You all have a way to side hustle somehow, some way. And 
I wanted to utilize that platform to use my voice to talk about the caregiver support. And um, I think it's really important that we share our stories because there's a lot of healing that goes along with that. With that being said, one of the most popular questions that I get when I speak at these caregiver conferences, and so it's really, really hard to talk about too, is emotional resentment from history. You know, for instance, why should I be with my dad? You know, now he's ill. I'm a parent caring for my kids and I've got to stop my life to care for him when he never showed up for any of my football games and none of my practices. And now he wants me to stop my life and take care of him. I mean, where was my mom when she was supposed to be there for me? And she never showed up for any of my ballet recitals. And now I'm a single parent caring for two, three, four kids. And I've got to stop my life and try to figure out a way to how to care for her. So what does it look like when you let go of emotional resentment, history, emotional history, um, and meet the person where they're at? Because that's not the same person anymore. My dad is not the same person he was 40 years ago. And so it's really, really important that you evaluate who you are now, how to let go of that emotional history and how to meet the new, the person going through the disease and what they're going through at the, in, in their life right now, because are you really going to continue to beat them up? Really? You're going to keep beating them up because they're needing help and they're asking for an olive branch and you're not willing to lend it out because you're so determined to hold on to that emotional history. How's that working for you? It's not, there's no growth with you mm-hmm. and there's no rebuilding and changing that new relationship. My relationship with my father is a lot different today as it, than it was 20 years ago. He's a very fragile Um, he's, uh, you know, mentally he's still sharp, but he's in a wheelchair. He, I, he doesn't look the same as he did 20 years ago. And it's hard because when you have a hero in your life and you look at this strong man that you look up to for everything. Um, and now you're the one stepping up, being the strong one to take care of him. There's a huge role change. But there's also the opportunity to restructure and change the relationship moving forward, which is really positive. Very positive and very powerful. Um, You know, I think it is important for people, as you say, you look at it from the opportunity perspective and how you can grow as a person by helping somebody else, especially someone that is so near and dear to your heart as you know, one of your parents or one of your close friends or, or you know, your, your husband or your wife in that situation, I think it's very important to take advantage of those situations. And so you, know, you, brought, you brought that point up. How long did it take for you personally to, I don't want to say come to terms, but see that as an opportunity and, and take advantage of it so you could grow more as a person by helping your father? You know, when you do help somebody, how does that make you feel? Great. Here you go. 
It's great. It. it makes you feel good. It makes them feel good. And there's something so, so much, so, so powerful with that. Am I going to beat my dad up because he worked three and four jobs um, growing up and he didn't show up for a lot of my high school this or high school that? I have many, many memories of my dad and I growing up and I hold on to those. I would much rather remember the legacy of my dad and the good things that he did instead of the bad things that really there's nothing on the flip side, that's a benefit in my life. I'm not even going to allow any headspace to be rented with any of that negative material. The rent's going to be for the positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like that. That was pretty good. Let's write that one down. Um, yeah. I like that. That's good stuff. And um, so, so with, through through the uh, through the foundation, Team Gateway to a Cure. How how are, you know? So you're you're obviously you're taking advantage and, and you're trying to help. The caregivers. That is your goal. So how do you go about, you know, as you said, you helped the Michael J. Fox Foundation raise a lot of money. How are you helping raise money for your foundation to be able to give that to the caregivers? Yeah, so the money that we raise, donations that come through the website, um, the certain amount of money that we will collaborate will be given to a caregiver support program in the city. Eventually, as the the movie, the documentary is released, uh, which have you had a chance to look at the trailer? I did see the trailer. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the movie, A Race for Another Day, which a caregiver is racing for another day to love their loved one, is about the story and the life of Dr. Jerry Medoff, who became world famous uh, 20 plus years ago when he invented the 21 pill cocktail for AIDS. And that was a huge medical epidemic back then, is killing millions of people. Now, today, if you develop the virus, you take one pill and live a normal life because of his breakthrough. Unfortunately, Dr. Jerry Medoff today is now taking 21 pills for Parkinson's. So if you look at the trajectory of Parkinson's 20 years from now, where will it be? in comparison to AIDS. And in the middle, we are all quarantined because of COVID-19. And so now we're up against this 9-11 of our children's era, as 9-11 was for us, where is Parkinson's gonna be 20 years from now? And the great thing that I can finally talk about and share with you is we now have a pill that actually reverses the damage that Parkinson's has done to the brain, which is so positive. So to be not only co-producing the movie, I'm also in it as an adult child caring, how that caregiver role is so important to my dad to be a part of that medical history unveiling. When I look back 20 years from now and I look, as we were watching Tom Brokaw on ABC Channel 5 talk about HIV and how it's contracted and what we need to do to protect ourselves, I'm a part of this about Parkinson's. So where will it be from 20 years from now? And to be a part of that medical history in this documentary movie is pretty cool. So if people want to donate 
to the movie for post-production costs, they can donate in, turn, in, in memory of a loved one or in a loved one's name and their name of their loved one would be uh, in the credits in the end of the movie to recognize them. What a great way to give tribute to their loved one who's going through it. That's that one fantastic. way. The other way is, is to uh, go on the website, learn more about how do you can be a better caregiver for yourself and to share your story. I will be uh, eventually having a podcast release called Generation C. Caregiver. Uh, and, and Generation uh, for Jennifer? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think I got it. <laughs> yes, you did. So uh, I want to talk about it. I think talking is so powerful and sharing stories is so powerful and there's so much healing that goes along with it. And I don't want to sound like, like that's all girly girl and that's just crazy weird talk. No, it, it is. I mean, the more we talk, the more informed we are. There's TED Talks out there. There's podcasts. There's audible books. I mean, why do you think we're all trying to evolve into a better version of who we are. And with that, I mean, I want to be a better version of a better caregiver for my dad, but also help instill others to be better caregivers. And so there's many, many questions and there's a million, million ways to be a good caregiver. So if you throw out any question out there at me, I guarantee you I will have an answer. And it makes for good conversation. Absolutely. And that, that just allows you to help more people to continue mm -hmm. to help others and to yes. help others help others. I always think it's, it's that second degree of helping, you know, you can help someone like me understand something, but then hopefully I can then take this conversation and share it to a couple thousand more people. And then that allows you to help all of them help even more people. And it's just this yeah. exponential effect moving on. Right. That's why and the, millennial, the millennials are so philanthropic. They, they just don't know how. They just not, they, they need more vision. They need more uh, hand-holding and more ideas and, and to communicate. Because in their mind, instant gratification is the way they think. That's their thought process. And there is, when you deal with someone who's a little older, instant's not necessarily the way it's going to go. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for instance, I don't see my grandpa and I want to reach out to him. How can I? Well, good God for, I mean, thank goodness for technology. You and I would not be talking face to face right now if it wasn't for it. So there's an opportunity right there. Face to face with grandpa. Well, what do we do? What do we talk about? Well, don't talk about the disease. Talk about grandpa. The stories you just said earlier, talk about growing up. Talk about what does what does it look like for my dad? My dad's Ty Cobb, same name as the baseball player. What does Ty, what is it about Ty that fascinates you? Talk about the fishing days, the camping trips. Um, hey, Dad, remember when you used to make this for a meal? And talk about what is the best fishing lure when you go fishing for your favorite fishing hole. What's what what's the good bait for? catching largemouth bass. I mean, there's many conversations that you can have with your loved one that doesn't necessarily mean to need to be centered around the disease and how mm -hmm. terrible they feel and how's your medication. And they don't want to talk about that. 
No. In fact, my mom said, oh, I have a great idea. Let's hire a personal trainer. Seven days a week. Dad will work with him two hours a day. This is what he needs. And I looked at my dad and I said, dad, do you really want to work with a personal trainer two hours a day, seven days a week? He said, absolutely not. I said, all right, done. He has no desire to work with. Is that really going to get him back to when he felt like he was 30? No, he's accepted the disease. Now he just wants to enjoy life. And what does that look like? He likes to go watch movies. He likes to do puzzles. He likes to talk about the past, the days that he used to go hunting and fishing, camping. Uh, he loves to do um, trivia. I mean, sit and read a story, talk about the news, just get some wisdom out of his mind. It's just, it's a great opportunity to do, to, to have a different type of relationship and engage with him in a level that has no resentment attached to it. And it also allows you to grow as a person because when you sit with someone that's older, that wisdom is, it's like gold. Mm-hmm. It's like, honestly, it's, it's like gold. Some of my greatest friends are the older population. I can sit and literally listen to them for hours and just pick their brain. And it just resonates so much with me and how I can grow as a person. And I hope you agree with that. 100%. 100%. As I said, you know, before all this crazy stuff went down, like every couple of weeks, I'd go over to my grandparents' house and pretty much just sit and listen to them talk for about two, three hours and just kind of take it in. Of course, argue because that's, that's just fun to do. Um, sure. in, an Italian, in an Italian household, you gotta, you kind of got to yell each other a little bit, but you know, just listen to the stories and you know, yes. where, what they did and how they did it and what things used to be like. And as I said, you know, hear this, the same story a couple of times with different, different details every once in a while, but it was still, it was still a lot of fun and, you know, hopefully, when everything gets back to normal, can go right back to doing that again. There is but no also, normal. And we're finding a different way. So just to let you know, today is my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. And like, okay, Jen, what are you going to do for your birthday? Well, my brother, who's my twin, Irish twin, we were born in the same year. So today we're the same age. I'm like, he's like, Jen, what do you think about doing family bingo? Let's all Zoom it. Family game night. My dad's in Hawaii, my brother's in Montana, my other brother's in Chicago, my cousin's in Florida. I'm here on Kentucky Lake. Like, we're all gonna get a couple bingo cards that you can download, whatever. And they got an app that can call out the numbers and everybody's on Zoom, you can see everybody and you're all playing bingo together. Do you really not know what to do? Mm-hmm. When you are forced in a position or situation that is quarantining you or forcing you to change, you will figure a way out. There's a million, million things that you can do on a podcast that you can talk about. Just like there's a million ways to be a good mom. There's a million ways to be a good caregiver. It has nothing to do with the age and has nothing to do with where you live and what what kind of technology you have because there's always the opportunity there it's the people that don't want to open up that box and look at so with that being said my birthday will be spent playing family bingo night 
So I'm excited. Nothing wrong with that. And it's on and a beautiful dad, lake. Yeah. Well, and my dad, unfortunately, um, just suffered back-to-back strokes. Mm. He's in Hawaii, which we uh, have a, um, a, he retired there six months out of the year. He's in Hawaii and six other months out of the year. He's in Chicago. Unfortunately, he's in ICU rehab center um, that um, he can't have any visitors, but he can do FaceTime. So Perfect. he'll have his family and we'll all be playing bingo. And, you know, that's a, that's a great birthday gift for me. So. That is awesome. And happy birthday to you. Thank you for doing thank this on you. your birthday, nonetheless. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep. you didn't have to give me any of your time today. I, my birthday is very <laughs> sacred to me. So I, I really respect you giving me some of your time and, you know, good luck. And I hope, I hope you, I'll be honest. I hope you win that bingo tonight just because it's your birthday. How's that sound? <laughs> I hope my dad does. <laughs> well, um, I'll let yeah. you have that one then. Um, yeah. But Jen, this has been absolutely fantastic. So you brought up the documentary for a second. You went behind kind of what it is and how you did it. Um, yep. When when do you have kind of a tentative release date or is there kind of a yes. time of year you guys are looking to get this out? Yeah, we're right now we're in post-production. It's on hold right now. You can go and watch the trailer. Uh, the poster's also on the website, teamgatewaytoacure.org. Um, if you want more information, um, go to the website and um, shoot me an email and um, leave me a comment. And uh, I love to collaborate as many topics and comments and talk about as much as I can before the uh, podcast is released. Um, but the other side to that is um, I'm in the pre-early stages of putting together a book. Going back to the uh, years of when we were in kindergarten where we story tell each chapter will be designated to a public figure and their life as a caregiver caring for their loved one um so i just think there's something so powerful about sharing stories and i mean we use google for a reason to find an answer to look up something to research how better is to share stories to help each other for self-improvement, how to become a better caregiver, whether it's somebody who's battling a debilitative disease or it's just a mother at home caring for her kids. I had a mom who's actually battling cancer and a single mom caring for three children of her own. So you can imagine the role as a mother caring for herself as well as caring for her ill father there's three caregivers in one person so it's just amazing so it's just it's great to share our stories because it does give us hope and comfort and i i appreciate you sharing your story it's it's my favorite thing is get to talk to people like you have had incredible careers and you're going to continue to do great things uh jennifer this was amazing first or last happy birthday uh jennifer cobb founder and board president to team gateway to a cure i'll have all the links and all the social medias everything will be in the show notes so anyone who listens to this will be able to go click in and learn a little bit more about you but seriously jennifer this was fantastic thank you so much thank you so much for having me and team gateway to a cure Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Jennifer. All of her links will be in the show notes. I really, really hope you go check some of those out to see what they are up to over at Team Gateway to a Cure. Please also give us a five-star review on iTunes, on Apple, wherever you're listening would be super, super helpful in helping spread the word of these incredible stories like Jennifer's. So thank you all so much. I appreciate your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of. So thank you for giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.